Life is too short, I feel trapped, hoping I don't get caught, watch my back, lost in the traffic, heartless and tragic, don't wanna get my ass kicked, so I walk in this mindless state, and this don't make me feel this way, I tell you, life is a traffic jam, I'm stuck, when will you realize you're fucked, don't try to change my ways, I'm hopeless, victim to the games we play, stay focused, watch for the crazy ride, don't lie, hide till the day we die, it's my life, tell me if you feel me, I tell you, life is a traffic jam, sincerely, stretch your mind, spoon, feed your soul, three voices you can't control, remember, Life is a traffic jam. 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 All right, cool cats. Welcome back to another meeting of the Order of the Straight Arrow. You have myself, Dustin Lace with Beef, the Troop Scout leader across from me. This is uh, Denim Wearing Patch. <laughs> <laughs> He's evolved. Yeah. <laughs> and in between the two wall boys, yeah, myself, I'm Miles, a.k.a. Chief, runs with bins. So, to kick this meeting off like we do the rest, uh, let's get into our straight arrow. Oh, those in scout uniform, three-finger salute. Those in civilian clothes, hand over your heart and repeat after the historian. A straight arrow tells the truth. A straight arrow loves nature. A straight arrow always backs out to the right. And a straight arrow is always against Bill H.R. 57, which would allow the importation of South American propane. Can I get a round table? Wima Tanya? Wima Tanya! You do have a catchphrase. Juggy duggy, quack quack. All right, so thanks for joining us, everybody. You almost made me spit out my beer. <laughs> uh, so let's get into this episode with some notes from the historian. So the first thing on my list of notes is, does Bill even drive a car? <laughs> like, I've never seen it, and I've thought about it several times in this episode. Cause, because when Bobby asks him to go to the thing, to the comedy club, he says... Yeah, let's go. And then he asked the guys, like, he's asking them who's going to drive. And earlier in the episode, he was talking, they mentioned it. And I was like, now I just wondered, does he drive? Yeah, he does. But I mean, I'm, you're making a good point. I've never thought about it. But I, to this point, we haven't seen him drive. He's always riding shotgun with either like Dale or Boomhauer or Hank. And like, nobody mentions him having a car. Like, they usually like mm-hmm. bring up the people's cars quite often like that's right and like we even seen them in bill's driveway for the the snow episode and yeah. there was no car there but he does have a car and it is really shitty okay so i guess that's why like none of that no one else wants to be in his gross little like rusted out car that he has but sounds like a quick sh- pot shot that could be made <laughs> i always thought that he would just use the uh, rentable tanks and bulldozers from the army and they just wouldn't let him take him home i assumed that he was just like the most drunk of all of them and that like the rest of the guys kind of like go to work and yeah, like do other stuff lives. and like but like when they're done in the alley they have to go home to like their life and i don't know bill just seems so sad he just seems like he's never sober enough to drive that that totally does make sense anyway so that was the first note but if i was to continue my notes this <clears throat> we are of course talking about traffic jam this is this still in the second season episode 16 it's the 28th episode overall. It is originally aired on February 22nd, 1998. It was directed by Clay Hall. This is his fourth of five episodes. His first was Order of the Straight Arrow, the, or- the Arrowhead, and The Company Man. And 
yeah, I mean, he's been around since the beginning. But he stops directing episodes in 99, and then he sticks around for the rest of the series as the supervising director until 2003. Yeah, he's kind of like a name that I is, I'm very familiar with now, but it's kind of sad that we're going to see him go. He's got one more. Well, he doesn't go anywhere, but mm, he supervises, directs, I guess, every episode. Got you. I think that's the same. I think they must have a couple because I think that's what Wesley Archer is also. But anyway, it's written by Johnny Hardwick, obviously voice of Dale. Nice. Uh, this is his fourth writing credit of a total of eight, so right in the middle. Uh, his previous ones were Hank's Got the Willies, King of the Ant Hill, and The Man Who Shot Kane Skretterberg. Great so, episodes. I kind of thought it was funny there wasn't so much Dale in this one either. You know, it's funny, like, I looked and I saw that Johnny Hardwick wrote this episode, and I was like, of course he did. He's the only one who could, like, the stand-up comedian True. writing about stand-up comedy. And, yeah, there was a lack of Dale, but... I wonder if, like, a... I wonder if Chris Rock uh, in was involved in any of the... Yeah, I don't know, I couldn't... Because I guess I just spoiled it, this episode is... Guest <laughs> yeah. star is Chris Rock, do you want to talk about that, Vinzy? I'll get to it. So, the synopsis for this one is... Hank finds himself in a traffic jam when he is forced to attend a driver's ed course after a fender bender with Khan. And was there a director's intro for this one, Dunham? There was. I really liked it, and I tried to find it because it had a very, really good uh, version of the Yahoo's and Triangles mm. riff. You hear it at the end, but Hank talks over it. I think I know the one you're talking about, and yeah. it, it's pretty it's pretty sweet. And so the director's intro was that song being played while Hank was animated with, like, a big afro and, like, a soul patch, and he was DJing, and that song was That's fucking cool. And it just said Traffic Jam, yeah. Was, That's dope. And, uh, yeah, that was, that was the intro we got. Awesome. Let's dive straight into the episode then. I believe this one opens cold. So we open to Peggy and Hank in the kitchen. Peggy is sitting at the table, and she is furiously marking uh, papers from her class, which were titled, What Did I Did This Summer? Yeah, this wasn't a spelling quiz. <laughs> no, so uh, Hank's frantically getting ready in the kitchen, and Peggy uh, asks him to drive so she can mark papers while she's in the car because, of course, she can't break her one-day marking rule. Yeah, turnover. Yeah, that's it. And Hank's obviously in a rush because Paint and Paper's got their one-day 8 a.m. madness sale. Yeah. yeah he, out of the good shit by it's, it's a wallpaper store, I think, right? Yeah, I like that he said that because I couldn't figure out, like, when I was watching the beginning, when I was like, why the hell is Hank rushing so much? Like, he's never like this, oh. but, oh, he's got a... Paint paper Yeah, an extra hour before work. He's got to be at the hardware store when yeah. he's doing buying some shit. I looked it up. I think it's just, like, wallpaper and, like... That kind of, like, maybe trim, but, like... I <laughs> yeah, I thought it would be, like, anything that you need to paint your walls. Yeah, paint or wallpaper. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I think, like, I it just seems weird to be the kind of thing, like, to stockpile. I although, mean, maybe he's getting ready to paint the den. Although, if somebody wanted wallpaper today, they need to find somebody who stockpiled it, because you can't... Wallpaper's so out of date now. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. People just don't do it. <laughs> yeah, for good reason. I don't know. I'm a fan. <laughs> we see Hank and Peggy. They're in uh, Hank's truck, and they're in the driveway, and they're about to back out. Peggy's marking papers, but not actually reading them. She's just reading the titles. Did you catch that? Yeah. I, I, can't, got a little... I can't remember the examples, but I just remember that she was just like, oh. Uh, I've got her. I got her lineup right here. So it's trip to Dallas, B. Trip to Waco, B. Trip to New York City, C. <laughs> and then, like, after, 
that Hank and Con collide. You can hear her like whispering, like Arlen A. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear that last one, but <laughs> what I kind of thought maybe attributed to the actual crashing into Con was the rush that Hank was in to get ready for the paint and paper. Because like, I don't know if you noticed, but like the the rearview mirror was like not tilted re- like backwards; it was tilted towards Hank. So he was, like, looking at himself to fix his own shit oh, while he's backing yeah, up. Yeah. So I think that he's blaming it all on Khan when actually he was being careless well, and rushed. rush. I mean, like, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah, but it also, like, you don't back out to the left. You don't. You just don't. You don't. But, like, not on, that, not on this side of the world. <laughs> but, no, he, I do think, like, you know, sometimes when you do those things that are just like, oh, I do this every day. I do this all the time. I'm so used to this. You do it, like, secondary. And then there's, like, some odd element that isn't necessarily – that other person's fault, but like mm-hmm. it's thrown a little bit of a wrench in what you are normally used to doing. Totally. So suddenly it's their fault, you know, no it's, doubt. Like, it's never my fault. Yeah. Like uh, our parents, their driveway backs out on like a dead end street. And like, I know that's a lot of the times I just back out and don't look, but like, Oh yeah. And then when there's somebody that's coming down, you're like, Oh shit. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Since when do you drive on this road? Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, Hank and Khan crash into each other, and immediately Khan is screaming that he's got a broken neck and that it's Hank's fault, and Hank is furious and honestly probably not as mad as I thought he would have been. Like, that's his pride and joy is that pickup truck. So much of the show revolves around it already, and he he was mad, but, I mean, yeah, he could have been madder. Well, I just wanted to take a second to talk about the broken neck thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> Dustin, do you recall – I don't know how old you are. You're probably five – Maybe four. Was it the green car in Anaheim or the Florida? P- Pontiac Grand Am in Orlando. That yeah. Was- <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was green. Um, yeah, I remember that. We rear father rear-ended like some other car. Another vacationing family, both of us on our way to Disney World. Yep. And like we were like eight and what were you, five or four, four. or five? You, it was your birthday, I think. Usually is on vacation, spring break birthday, so. And anyway, yeah, the, um, that dude that we, like, rear-ended, he just, like, got out of the car and, like, it, we were baking in the car, like, oh, wanted yeah. to go to Disneyland. And he's just, like, complaining about his neck. And my dad's like, are you fucking serious? Like, like this was, like, we're going, like, t- I don't know how many miles an hour. Yeah. We're going, like, 20 Very kilometers. Slow. Like, we're going really slow. Like, and, uh, yeah, this guy was just making us late for Disney World. Yeah, and his like, own family late, too. Like. Oh, we were so choked, yeah. We that had to wait for, like, day. state troopers and police and, I don't know. Like, we had to wait for three Out different types. Here. Yeah. Did you meet back up with them in the bumper cars at To Disney be World? honest, yes. Yeah, they were in line for Big Thunder Mountain, like, at, like, a turn ahead of us. So, like, there was the awkward, like, few minutes. Where, and it was, yeah, we saw them. And, like, because we went out and chatted with the kids because, like, we were, like, whatever. We were just out there Do talking you like about, stuff, too? Yeah, like, I like stuff for Disneyland, like, or Disney World. What yeah. Game Boy games did you bring? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck Yeah. <laughs> So immediately we transition into the insurance office where Hank is realizing that his perfect payment club membership isn't paying off like he thought it would. He's complaining that Miss Kalaiki Aliki is the middleman when he could just go get a loan and pay for his own truck himself. Um, and I don't know if you noticed uh, our insurance agent's last name. Why should my rates go up, Miss Ka'aliki Ali'i? 
as the troops uh, most Hawaiian member <laughs> being there one time more than everybody else with a total of one time. Hey, you've been there twice. Being there two times. <laughs> <laughs> Making it a grand total of one time more than the rest of the clubhouse. <laughs> Uh, the Hawaiian alphabet is only like 13 or 14 letters. Oh. That's a fun fact that I'm trying to recall. I didn't actually do research, but that's why you always see all those repeating characters because it's a way shorter alphabet. Okay. So they just got to reuse a bunch. H-A-L-I-K-W. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's why it's a lot of repetition. Never mind, I'm not going to, you didn't look to do any research to ask you hard questions. Never mind. Yeah, so. <laughs> no, I had real hard questions. Uh, and I guess while we're on the topic, I got one more fun fact. The island of Maui is called Maui because that is the demigod that pulled the sun towards Hawaii uh, in like Hawaiian lore. And it's shaped like his head. So that's why they call it Maui. Shuggy ducky. Quack, quack, quack. It's a pretty good place. Would recommend. Yeah, I definitely would recommend. I also liked Oahu, but that's more touristy. <laughs> Damn tourists. But yeah, this is the first of two appearances of Mrs. Kalaliki Alihi, uh, who is Hank's insurance adjuster, at least in this episode. Uh, she makes another appearance in the season five episode, Peggy Makes the Big Leagues, where Mrs. Alihi's son, David, is an all-star football player at Arlen High School, who Peggy ends up flunking. Now, Mrs. Kalaliki Alihi is voiced by Amy Hill, who appears in four episodes of King of the Hill. Uh, the other two episodes, she voices uh, Loama Sufanusumphone and uh, Mishiko. Amy Hill is an American actress and stand-up comedian whose career started in the mid-1980s with a small role in the TV series Partners in Crime. She's gone on to appear in many movies and TV shows, such as Night Court, Seinfeld, All-American Girl, Max Keeble's Big Move, Lilo and Stitch, and Magnum P.I., the 2018 reboot. I knew one of you would get a kick Whoa, out of Max, Max Keeble's big move. move. <laughs> All right. I call it Fatitude. <laughs> I've seen that movie probably more times than I've seen my mother. Yeah, that <laughs> movie lived in the VCR. Yeah, like, I fucking love that movie. I eat broke one time, and the world ended. <laughs> Uncle Dean had to fix that one. Yeah. And he was damn good at fixing it. I think it was in the marching scene at the end. There was just like a quick, like... Like, little, like, uh, flash in, like, because he taped it together. <laughs> it got stuck in the VCR when the VCR broke because it was always oh, in it. it always <laughs> in. I remember my sister, like, always watching it at first, me just being like, fuck, this is a stupid movie. And then, like, being like, okay, all right. And then, yeah. like, watching it over her shoulder and then eventually just, like, sitting down and being like, yeah, I like this okay. movie. <laughs> I, I think I kind of had the same. This movie ever, rules. Like, I've seen that movie more times than I'd like to admit, but you were just always watching it. It's just fucking, it's an all right flick. I mean, it's pretty sweet. I, like, I put on some movies, like, just in the background for all the time. My Googles is my name. It's time to play a game with your favorite Highland Road. Okay, so anyways, uh, Hank uh, is told that his rates are going to go up uh, unless he takes this traffic school. So he brings home a handful of pamphlets. Yeah, and they're like, all of there for there's a traffic school for everything anything that's there's a traffic school for everything singles traffic school smokers traffic school vegetarian traffic school it's like no matter what problem you have they have a traffic school for it i actually feel like traffic or smoking traffic school 
would kind of do me some good because, <laughs> well, like, I love smoking and driving. It's, uh, yeah, it's pretty good. But <laughs> I like that uh, Luann listed vegetarian traffic school as one of the ones, like, that you would have a problem. Singles? <laughs> like, none of them are, like, I mean, smoking, but, like. <laughs> not, like, actually yeah. problem. But, yeah, so Hank is going to pick the least messing around mm-hmm. one. Little did he know that he's got the deaf jam comedy flavor of traffic school called deaf and civ traffic school. At first I didn't like, cause I haven't seen the episode. I was thinking like, okay, what is the deaf? I thought maybe they were like, it was going to be an actual, like people who can't hear. Oh, okay. He, and like, and he was just like work on their spelling because he thought that, but I'm happy to see that it was deaf jam comedy. <laughs> Funniest part about it. So we were watching this episode today and my girlfriend was kind of like, this episode's ridiculous. Like, that is a stretch just to get Hank into a comedy club. Like, mm-hmm. and I was like, yeah, I thought that. But then, like, I don't know, maybe America has just got, like, maybe they try stuff like that. And so I looked it up, and it's fucking, like, real. No, it's not. Yes. Really? The DMV licenses, like, comedy places. to Like, there's comedy traffic schools. And they are official. You pay 20 bucks and you learn all the like things like you're a toddler. They show you like little like a comedian does like a video and like you can watch it. And I guess they have like courses that you go to. But like, yeah. And it's just like a comedy act that teaches you to look both ways when you cross the street. Like it's like it's like it's like literally like for toddlers. It's like (laughs) it's like scary. how like. Shuck it, duck it. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. Maybe there are, because it sounds like the DMV will just let anybody Mm -hmm. teach, like, traffic safety. So, I'm sure there's, like, chocoholics (laughs) (laughs) and anything like that. They just mash two together, like the AA meetings and the the driver's ed. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I, I was kind of floored when I was like, that seems unsafe. That, yeah, that is a little bit ridiculous. I hope you don't get any certification <laughs> afterwards. It like, literally, in the video I watched, the trailer, it was just like, no more reading blocks of text. And then had like a, <laughs> call, like a bunch of writing like, a with paragraph. like a big X in it. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I was like, seriously, like Mike Judge idiocracy. Like, yeah. this is coming true. <laughs> That's so fucking funny. I wish I could get one of those for university. <laughs> So, yeah, Hank eventually decides on the defensive uh, driving school, seeing it be the best fit for him, and he shows up to Snaps, the comedy club, and my favorite part about this scene is that all the cars were parked all shitty <laughs> oh, in the parking I didn't even lot. Notice like, that. Hank is the only one that, like, fits into the parking stall, like, correctly. Everyone else is all, like, crooked and shit. It's really funny, and he goes in there, and it's just a raucous time. Everyone is having a blast. Buddha Sack is in the house. Yo, 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 yo! Put a sack in a house, put a sack in a house, put a sack in a house. And I want to welcome you all to Deaf Ensive Traffic School. That's right, Deaf Ensive Traffic School. I'm deaf and y'all be fencing. Put a sack, you crazy. <laughs> So this is Buddha Sack. His name had some uh, controversy in the Fox executive offices, apparently. (laughs) The first suggested name was Busta Nut. (laughs) Thank you, Mr. Nut. (laughs) After Fox uh, vetoed that one, his name was then... uh, 
bust a sack? <laughs> and Fox was like, no, like obviously not. It's almost worse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they 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 compromised with boot a sack. I guess it, like the idea is like boot a sack maybe like i don't know imagine the fuss that johnny hardwick probably put up just in principle oh, like right. his dale gribble oh, routine yeah. like i will not conform to any uh, fox standards yeah who we now have to call buddha sack like, yeah. <laughs> the man formerly known as busta nut exactly but anyway i believe this is our special guest appearance by chris rock it is and if you don't know who Chris Rock is, you're fucking missing out. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is the first appearance of Roger Buddha Sack, who makes four appearances in King of the Hill. Uh, originally voiced by Chris Rock, Phil Lamar would take over for the remaining three episodes. Uh, Chris Rock just did the first one, which is this episode, Traffic Jam. Now, Chris Rock is an American comedian, actor, writer, producer, and director, arguably one of the greatest comics of all time and generally just one of the funniest people in the entertainment Discovered in 1984, working as a stand-up comedian by Eddie Murphy, who befriended Rock and began mentoring him, eventually giving him his first film role in Beverly Hills Cop 2. Chris eventually hit his big break in 1990 when he joined what was known as the Bad Boys of SNL, when he, alongside legendary cast members Chris Farley, Adam Sandler, Rob Schneider, and David Spade, all ran uh, amazing runs at Saturday Night Live. I fucking loved those best of DVDs. I had all of them. Just the best. Ones. That's yeah. one of my earliest memories of hanging out with you is watching them in your parents' basement <laughs> yeah, and just loving sure. it. I remember, like, before the days of laughing uncontrollably due to weed, like, it, <laughs> yeah. it, I was laughing uncontrollably due to these SNL DVDs. S Swedish coffee crystals. <laughs> <laughs> They're what? Yeah. <laughs> Or since leaving SNL, Chris Rock began his career as just like a Hollywood big shot, producing, starring, writing, and directing in too many titles to list. Rock also went on to host the Academy Awards in 2005 and again in 2016. I liked those ones. Yeah, I remember, I think 2005 was like the first year I was like really paying attention to the Oscars. Mm. And, and that was, that was like, I think the, was that the Brokeback Mountain year? I don't think. I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure like, it was. I already and read like I think like, he was read. really funny, yeah. Because he was, because he was in the tent. Yeah, because he, he made a joke about how like heterosexual men don't watch the Oscars anyway. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yes. I did watch that one. Good he memory, Vincy. <laughs> yeah, for those of you out there with a good memory, to kind of place this in his chronological order of acting credits, this episode was after he did Beverly Hills Ninja, so not Beverly oh, Hills yes. Cop, and before he did Dr. Doolittle. The great black ninja. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, and just a kind of a fun fact that I thought, that yes, his big break was Beverly Hills Cop 2, um, but he was uncredited in a film called Crush Groove. Oh, I love Crush Groove. Yeah, so in this movie, based on the early days of Def Jam recordings, up-and-coming manager Russell Walker manages uh, all the hottest acts on the label Crush Groove Records, which include Run DMC, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, and Curtis Blow, while Rick, the character in the movie, um, produces the label's records. When Run DMC has a hit record and Russell doesn't have the money to press records, he borrows money from a street hustler. At the same time, Russell and his brother Run both compete for the heart of an R&B singer, Sheila E. And so now Chris stars in this movie as the person standing next to club phone during fight. Yeah. 
It's, yeah, I mean, that movie's awesome. I found that at Value Village after, like, an unse- unsuccessful, like, long time of not being able to see that movie. As a mm-hmm. huge Beastie Boys fan, I needed to see this because it's from, like, they made it in the day. Beastie Boys are in it briefly. They do one song. Mm. Uh, same with, like, Fat Boys are in it quite a bit, actually. Um, and then Run DMC are in it. It's kind of about the Fat Boys. Got but, um, and, like, but, yeah, it's Rick Rubin is the producer. And, like... Uh, it's uh, what was it, Russell Walker? Mm-hmm. It's Russell Wilson. Yeah. Or no, Russell. <laughs> Duh. Russell Simmons. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and then I get my Danger Russes mixed up. <laughs> so the uh, yeah, it it's just about like Def Jam at the time. It's from like '88. So, like, oh, I was gonna ask like it was before licensed to. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. Yes, it was. And uh, yeah, instead it's just it's called Crush Groove in there. Which is like a thing in like Run DMC's earliest records. Crush Groove was kind of just like I don't know, there, I don't know what they would have called it, but it wasn't the label, but it was the label of the movie. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that movie is so much fun, and I have it on VHS. And we should probably watch it. We should probably watch it. Yeah, so it looks like uh, they were doing their research when they did their casting because Chris is pretty experienced with the uh, Def Jam recordings. Well, he and Def Jam comedy at this totally. point totally huge. I also, um, while we're talking about things that are deaf. Shook it, okay, quack, quack. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Is this what they mentioned, Shucky Ducky? I, I don't know. Maybe. Anyway. I, mean, <laughs> uh, I guess maybe we could just wrap up all the Def Jam references. Probably should get those out of the way. <laughs> so, obviously, there's uh, Shucky Ducky Quack Quack. in the house. <laughs> I don't remember when, but they mentioned, you don't think Shucky Ducky get, fi- get famous overnight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was, so Shucky Ducky's a, a like, local Dallas comedian. And I guess he started out his career sort of as, like, uh, very trying to be straight-laced, trying Mm. to be censored and clean. Clean comic. And, like, he looks like a black Hank Hill. (laughs) (laughs) Just, like, it's not exactly the way he dresses, but he's got, like, the haircut Haircut, and glasses. glasses. (laughs) And he's, like... You know, tall and like, yeah, yeah, yeah very like, straight, yeah, straight body, very straight. And like, I feel like the things that he was laughing at, like Hank would laugh at too. Mm-hmm. Like he's just talking about going to get a job. And like, <laughs> that shucky ducky. And he's like, yeah, and he's, his his whole thing is like shucky ducky instead of swearing. Like he likes yeah. to say shucky ducky. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's, I guess it's an exclamation or a disappointment. Yeah, that's what that's his thing. I don't know if we're gonna play that clip, but anyway. Shook it, okay, quack quack. In the house. <laughs> no. Also, that uh, the our intro song was "Life Is a Traffic Jam" from the movie Gridlocked, that also mm-hmm. came out in '97, which starred Tupac and Tim Roth as in a in a in a spoken word band called Eight Mile. Is wow based in Detroit, and they're Makes like sense. heroin addicts and. Yeah, it's just I don't know. It was a, it's a pretty neat movie, mm. but yeah, that that that's the clip of like that baseline. Mm. Tupac's the bass player in the movie. Got you. I felt like there was some kind of relation between that and this, and because it does feel pretty like spoken word, deaf. Like it feels like it's on par, and it's called the same thing. So you'd think, yeah, yeah, like well, the movie's called Gridlocked. Yeah, but I mean the the song, the traffic song, traffic yeah. jam. and I mean like gridlock is a traf- traffic term. Yes, <laughs> uh, you're right. I didn't even think of that. Shucky ducky, quack quack. 
Anyway, yeah, Hank is still at this Def Jam uh, comedy. Yeah, and everybody's loving it, like, especially Con, too. Con's, oh, yeah, we forgot Con's there. Yeah, Con's right beside and, Hank. Oh, and Hank's ready to take notes. Yeah, and, <laughs> and Hank's pissed off that Con's at the same one as him, and Con was like, makes it seem like he was already knew what the deaf ends of meant and was just like so down with Budasat because he was having a blast. Yeah. And eventually... You don't I, think Khan did? Pardon me? You don't think Khan did? No, I think that he did know what it was about. And oh, okay. that's why he picked that one. And Hank was just, uh, thought it was like the most straight-laced driving school he could yeah. he could find. But eventually Hank uh, calls out to Budasat and he's like, excuse me, sir, do you have a lesson plan? And he's like... <laughs> What? And I can't remember what happens, but eventually everyone starts chanting, go crack. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, uh, at first Hank doesn't really agree with the things Budasak is saying. And I really like this uh, one thing that he says while everybody's clapping. Yo, check it out. Look at all the white people we got up here in traffic school tonight. And they say only black people break the laws. Ooh! But that's not true. <laughs> I think I, I wish we got to see more of like Buddha Sex, like house DJ. Like, just like, yeah. Buddha Sex, you crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that guy was sweet. So now I guess Hank's back at the hills after just being appalled at this driving lesson he's had to endure. And there, I guess I didn't notice this until like I've just seen this note, but they are eating TV dinners. At the kitchen table. 100% TV dinners. That was what my girlfriend noticed. Most, like, first thing right away. I don't know what, do you think maybe it's because, like, maybe because Hank was coming home late? Maybe? I don't know. Like, because he had traffic school? I think it was that, but also maybe Peggy was still busy marking papers. She could have been. Yeah, good you call. You know, maybe that was in the same. Good call. The same I mean, like, tra- like, TV dinners are cool, but, like, at the dinner table? <laughs> well, we, when you and I used to, in high school, work at the grocery store together, that was one of my favorite things to grab for like a quick 15-minute yeah. like. Well, I break. worked in the deli, so. Oh, yeah. Well, you were just finger-picking all day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. My, I, I snacked during work, so my lunch breaks were just like going to the alley, smoke a joint. <laughs> you fucking take your shirt off, spray Axe body spray all over yourself. <laughs> think you're fooling anybody. <laughs> Go steal a bottle of Izine. <laughs> Whoa, man. I never stole from work. <laughs> No, yeah. No. Not visine, anyway. Not Just the visine. stuff I was supposed to throw out. <laughs> right. Yeah. The chicken. <laughs> but obviously, Bobby recognizes who Hank's teacher is as the one and only Buddha sack. From Breakfast at the Apollo. <laughs> exactly. Do we want to get into that? I don't know. I feel like we've derailed a lot. We've derailed a fair bit. But I'll just the Apollo is just a show. I think the breakfast is just sort of to indicate that it's like a, an hour that no one watches. It's yeah, not a real Yeah, that's what thing. I gathered too, that it was like the dinner at the Apollo is like the one you want to be on that, yeah. that people watch. But I think that's just called live at the Apollo. Yeah. yeah. But uh, <laughs> Budasak got a little too risque. But yeah, it's just a variety show filmed at the Apollo in Harlem. Um, and of course, Bobby watches it. This is a good time. Yep. And so Hank has to give Bobby the talk. Peggy uh, doesn't think he's ready. They want us to wait. 15. Yeah. But he needs a little bit of tough love. Bobby, comedians are show-offs. Sure, they get beautiful women and drive fast trucks, but eventually... They have fast trucks? 
That was my favorite. Well, it's obviously every successful comedian's driving like some old muscle truck. Right. <laughs> like, I know. Obviously. It's like people, you know, you'd say like big trucks like that, yeah. but, but. Fast trucks. And drive fast trucks. <laughs> I just think that is awesome. Yeah. I feel like that has to be Johnny Hardwick. Like that is, that line comes through as just Johnny Hardwick's. Oh yeah. Especially being like a, a Texas based comedian. It's right. Like, that's the goal. Yeah. A <laughs> fast truck. To have a fast truck. <laughs> I mean, I've been to Texas, and, like, there's some hills, but, like, you don't really need a big truck. No. But a fast one would be really cool. It was, actually. When we were in Texas, we were at some weird little bar, and uh, we were asking these people how to get to, I think it was, like, the Devil's Backbone or something like that. And uh, we were asking them how to get there, and they were at the bar, and they were like, oh, where are you from? We said, we're from Canada. They're like, oh, so you just... Go out here and go down, and then you see this mountain, and you turn left, and then she was like, well, you guys are from Canada. You'll see this hill, and you turn left. <laughs> and then when we saw the hill, we were like, yeah, that's a fucking hill. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, but uh, Hank's, uh, Hank realizes that Bobby's clearly not paying attention or not going to listen to his little... Uh, his little speech there. So he figures the only thing to do is take Bobby to traffic school with him. And of course, Bobby is just ecstatic. He is beyond excited. And it traffic school. He doesn't school. know what shirt to wear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he immediately has to go pick out his outfit. <laughs> and then uh, we cut to the next scene, and Budasak is just killing it again at traffic school. And now we're back at Snaps, and we get another aerial shot of the parking lot, and I don't know if you noticed, the cars are still parked like shit. Then we see Budasak on stage, and Bobby is just loving it, and Hank is like, see what I mean? Like, this guy's pathetic, but Bobby's taking it a completely different way. I thought um, I thought this was an interesting like part of animation for this scene. The grape soda can oh. actually <laughs> sort of looks... Like, in the same style as Alamo, but this one did say grape, and it was in purple. Definitely said grape. But, like, it looked, it was in the style of, like, Alamo, so I wondered if, like, I don't know. I think they probably did just use the same thing and just changed it to grape. Because didn't that happen in the episode where Bobby's, like, kissing the mannequin head yeah. where he's drinking, or he's two, got the two grape sodas, and then it quickly, for, like, half a second, is an Alamo can? It looks like, but it was, it, but it still said grape, mm. but it was an it was, Alamo can, like the for tan, sure. blue, and red. And this one was more, like, colored, like, grape, but I think it was still, like, an Alamo, like, design. Right. I think you're probably right. And if I was an animator, I would probably just get lazy and just do the same thing and change the name, and I'd probably think it's funny. I think it's I, I think it's fun. I think it's funny that like that uh, Bobby's Alamo is grape, and they look similar. Totally. Like, I just think it's funny that if they keep with that. Even when Bobby turns twenty one, I think he's still going to be drinking grape soda. Uh, hey man, grape soda's a good time. Hell yeah, it is. Yeah, uh, yeah Budasak is killing it. Bob or Hank's like about to. To talk to Bobby, like, see what I mean? It's just pathetic. And Bobby's like, you the man, <laughs> Yeah, and Hank's just like, quiet down. He can see you. And, of course, he does see him. And he pulls him up on stage. And this is like Hank's nightmare, right? Because he wants to scare him straight and kind of demoralize him. Whereas pulling him up on stage is kind of hyping him up and making him like the comedy even more. And then, much to Hank's dismay, they start ripping on Hank. Yeah. <laughs> Does he just stand around all day drinking beer with all his other white friends going, yeah? No, they go, 
Yup. <laughs> Bobby is the perfect straight man to this guy's Buddha sack. <laughs> and I love it, like Bobby and Buddha sack, like riffing off each other, and he starts to chirping Hank again. I can't remember how it goes. He starts like saying things, and they're all rhyming, and then he's like, hey, "Somebody help me out here!" And then Bobby's, like, "And he lacks French fries." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> What is it? Uh, Super size. Cracker Jack prize. Yeah. Half yeah. moon pies. Yeah. And that's when he uh, he announces that Bobby's going to be the white rerun. Yeah. Now, I don't know much on rerun. Denim, do you know much on rerun? He was from What's so Happening, isn't white, he? White rerun would be like in, yeah, What's Happening is the show. Rerun is just the, he's kind of just like the Bobby Hill of the group. <laughs> in, I don't know. He just was the goofy friend. He was the fat kid, and yeah. he, like, danced at every opportunity he got. <laughs> and he would, like, dance all, like, goofy, and, like, it was just, like, wholesome family entertainment. Got it, yeah. And now Bobby's the white one. He would be if, like, yeah, when Bobby's 16, if he was on a show like that, he probably would be the white rerun. Got it, yeah. So after we leave Snaps, they were back at the Hill House. We're at Hank's driveway, and the guys are standing around. Like you can just see in the in the corner there, Hank's beaten up pickup truck with all the smash marks into it. And Hank's complaining about how Con didn't back out the right way, and he says that a man named Dave Jensen lived there for 13 years straight. 13 years, Dave Henson lived in that house. Never once did he back into me. Yeah, of course he was a 500-pound shut-in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shame he had to move. They replaced that wall pretty nice, though. Yeah, yeah. that looks all right. I yeah, like the way that turns out. Everything. <laughs> it's just like a massive hole on the side of the Sufanusen Bones house. <laughs> Shaped like a bowling pin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where they, I guess they had to, like, forklift this incredibly obese man out of there. It looked like they had to forklift him while he was in his Lazy Boy. Yeah. <laughs> it just reminded me of uh, what's he in Gilbert Grape. I haven't seen him. Really? Really. Oh. So I can't pick up on that, Refi. I don't really like. It's not like a. It doesn't come highly recommended. But yeah. it's like it was like on much more music. Like, all the fucking all time. the fucking time. All the fucking time. And I saw it in chunks. Like I don't know. It's a Leonardo DiCaprio. It's a pretty good role. Like it's it's a, it's a it's a sad movie. But the mother definitely is sad. The mother is like morbidly obese and like when she dies they need to air lift her like crane her out of the house and like it's a very dramatic scene and it's not funny (laughs) but it's like but it is like it does sound like it is kind of funny but it's not (laughs) it's it's a a sad movie it's (laughs) a very sad movie (laughs) i will be sure not to watch it yeah thank you (laughs) <laughs> but uh, back in Hank's driveway Right about this time Bobby comes out With a little like Backpack Microphone thing That he's got on there Yeah And he's doing his best Buddha sack routine Pretty much just ripping off Like everything Buddha sack said At driving yeah. school And just like White people can't do this Or how come white people Do this when they're doing that Just all that <laughs> Man it not talk about no buzz man It ain't gonna tell you why You know why it's funny man It's cause it ain't true <laughs> I think it's funny because I wonder if Greg Daniels like because there's the office bit where Michael Scott does his Chris Rock routine. Oh yeah, and it's kind of just exactly the same joke. I wonder if this You're is butchering a- it. You're butchering it. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if this is a Greg Daniels like inspired. Like I wonder if this is a bit he likes. Yeah, I, I mean they must they must have like worked or Paul Lieberstein, together. You know yeah. at some point. I I also read that Chris Rock is like a massive Seinfeld fan. 
Yeah. And, you know, Greg Daniels involved in that with all those years. Well, so. Chris Rock and Seinfeld, weren't they in stuff together? They yeah. were in that, he was in that show with them, the, the comedians, comedians in Cars, in cars, cars Getting Coffee. coffee. Yeah. Yeah, they got pulled over for uh, for, for, for speeding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Chris Rock was like, "I'm lucky you're here. <laughs> <laughs> if you weren't, I'd be scared." Yeah, Chris Chris Rock's a likable guy. <laughs> so Bobby drives down to Snaps on his bicycle, and he's looking for comedic inspiration. So he goes to see, and Budasak is there filling up ketchup bottles. <laughs> With a, yeah, like I assume those ketchup bottles were getting low, and he just had to top up all the rest. Yeah, I mean he's just working. Regular comedian work. Yeah, he's just working. Well, a lot of the, a lot of comedy clubs are just comedians that work at them, and then they get there. Mm-hmm. They get their minute on stage, and then they or their tight five, and then they they just jump back, back to it. Back yeah. to it. That makes um, sense. <laughs> Bobby sure is impressed. He's like, ah. Ketchup, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, well, ketchup. Again, another throw, another another thing that made me think of uh, Plastic Head episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, bottle. his ketchup. His ketchup bottle. bottle. Yeah. Bobby starts asking Budasak, uh, "What was it like to be on TV and and all that?" And <laughs> I got a little risque on Moesha a couple of years ago, and it's been hard for me ever since. <laughs> Does anybody know what Moesha is? No, I didn't. Yeah, me either. Oh. <laughs> that line just makes me think of uh, dogma, though. Like, it just sounds like dogma. And then uh, Bobby tries out his uh, his white people routine on Budasak. <laughs> oh, Budasak's like, just let me give you a little constructive criticism here. You're not black. <laughs> it wasn't his white person routine. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, about white people. Yeah. White people think the hood is something on their sweatshirt. So, it, yeah, he does shoot him down pretty quick. Um, so this is a fun, this is where it starts. This is a, this is a fun thing. I thought the, the deleted scenes for this episode, every single one of them was fully animated and they were pretty much all revolved around a single joke that was cut. And it was this, it started here. And so Budasak gave him some suggestions and it was that the, the, the sound K is funny. Anything that has the word K in it is funny. So he said like K and then he kind of said it funny, and then Bobby Hill, like... Shakidake. Yeah, shakidake. Quack, quack. <laughs> quack, quack. And so, yeah, basically, like, quack, quack. And, yeah, and then the it, it just continues on, and, yeah, I'll just bring it up. I thought it was really weird that there wasn't animatics. Like, everything seems like it went into this episode, except for that one joke that came up four times. Um, weird. Now, were a lot of the jokes, did they revolve around Buddha Sack? No, they all revolved around the letter K. Just that's it, hey? Just the... There was only four? Uh, so I can just let them... I can just tell you them all right now. So, yeah. So later on when Bobby's um, trying out the butter churning joke with Joseph and Connie, they're like, oh, I guess it's funny for an old person. He's like, oh, I should have had the letter K in it. Oh. Okay. And then, like... And then later on when Bobby and Joseph are looking up white yeah. plus funny plus... Root. Uh, roots on the computer. He also says plus K. And then he's like, hey, look at all the K words. There's three in a row right there. Oh, no. Yeah, so one way more KKK. And then actually looking at it, there's only three. That was the third one. And then the, the last one is Hank <laughs> talking to Con. And I'll bring that up when we get to it. Okay. 
<clears throat> before Bobby Lee's snaps, Budasad gives him advice that he's got to figure out like where he came from, where his roots are, try and uh, you know get some organic comedy from where he came from, not just ripping off uh, you know black people <laughs> comedy or Budasad himself. And uh, he heads back to the Hill House, and Hank's doing something a little odd in his garage. Yeah, I uh, I didn't put it past him oh. because it's Hank. But it is something that makes you kind of be like, all right, like they're pushing it. Hank has got his safety goggles on yeah. and he's got his bench vice and he's crushing walnuts. Yes. Yeah. Just crushing a walnut. And then eating it. And that's, that, was, that was it. Like, what? I, I kind of thought it was a little bit ridiculous for Hank because I feel like he's the kind of guy that would never use a tool not for its intended purpose. Well... That's my. That's kind of why it kind of threw me off a bit. Maybe, yeah. But, like, because, you know, like, he wouldn't use a screwdriver for something else. He Like, for, to open a can, he would use a can opener or something like that. You're not wrong. Because that's what I kind of thought. And it, that's what threw me off. But what about you guys? What did you think? My immediate thought was that he was doing it as, like, a stress relief. Like, he was so pissed off about Budasak and traffic school and Bobby that he was just like, I'm just crushing walnuts. But then he starts eating them. So yeah. it's like... I assumed that there would be like a bowl. Maybe he was like that was know, the thing. There was getting one them walnut. ready. Yeah, and he's just like eating them one by one. And he's then like, like when Bobby showed up, I thought maybe he was gonna use it as like a a, t- a lesson tool yeah, about a like a metaphor or something, but he didn't. No. And then it was weird. But so it's funny now I'm thinking about it because there's another scene in this episode. I don't remember exactly what happened, but Dale just drove by on his lawnmower, and there was just like the gas, the jerry can, was just like hanging off. In the gas tank. I didn't notice that. I know. And it was like little things. Like it took me to like the third or fourth watch where I noticed it. And I was like, but like that and the walnut thing. Like there's a few things in this episode that I think were just sort of like kind of put in for like fun. That mm-hmm. we're just like, if somebody like watches what? this four yeah. times in a row, then they might notice it. Damn Johnny Hardwick and his Easter yeah. egg. <laughs> I don't, yeah. But they seem to be mostly animation things. I wonder if they, they might have been like director choices. Like. Yeah, I just, I know, like, from the little bit that I've learned in school about writing, like, just talking scenes, is always have your characters just doing something of interest. Yeah, that's true. And so, like, that's probably just something they're like, well, let's just have them cracking walnuts in the garage. Yeah, that's just for them. And, like, yeah, yeah, like, because the gas, the the jerry can thing is, like, it's poorly drawn. Like, it's not, like... It's just kind of... It's the same color as the mower. Just afterthought almost. So it looks like it was sort of an afterthought or, like... It was so to weird hide. to people who were supposed to color it that they just like, didn't really get whatever the fuck it was. And it was so small, too. But, like, yeah. I just assumed it's because, like, he's openly smoking with, like, a yeah. jerry can and the fumes. I guess that was, like... And it's, like, like, what, oh. like, how long you run your mower that's going to run out of gas that a jerry is going to make sense. Well, like, I feel like it's he forgot to pull it out when he filled up his gas. You think that's in, what it That's is? what I think it is. He, he, he left it in because he's an idiot. I think he's just, like, extra gas. I think he's I just mean, like, maybe. oh, now my gas tank's this big. <laughs> like, I think, I think he's just that dumb. Like, I think that's what's going on. I guess. I don't know, though. Yeah. But, yeah, while he's uh, crushing walnuts, uh, Hank wants to put something in terms that Bobby can understand. Son, let me put this in terms you can understand. I am not down with that. <laughs> but Bobby said that Budasak told me not to listen to what you say. So Hank is furious because this man is undermining his parenting and influencing his son uh, when he wants Bobby to get out of comedy. So the only way to get past it is to go and confront him at snaps. 
Give me a beer. <laughs> Phoenix Gold. Yeah, so about this time, Hank goes barging back down to, uh, or I should I say, barging in. <laughs> back down to Snaps, because he's got a bone to pick. It's with, Canadian spelling. With Yeah, exactly, and pronunciation. Yeah. <laughs> with Budasat, because he uh, he's pissed off that he was trying to tell him, or he was turning his boy against him, that's what he said. And he goes down there, and he starts addressing Budasat in front of the raucous crowd featuring Khan and the rest of the bad drivers at the fence of uh, driving school. And Hank says something that he shouldn't have said. And he uh, he accuses Buddha Sack's mother of not raising him right. And the house DJ snaps was like, oh, shit. <laughs> you, did, you, you did not just do that. And then Buddha Sack just tears Hank apart. And, of course, we forgot to mention that Bobby let it slip to Mr. Sack when they were meeting at Snaps that Hank is a narrow urethra. Yeah, I was wondering, did he? Did we see that? Because I forgot that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he we did see say it. that. Yeah. Wow. So, I, of course, that's like Hank's worst fear that he doesn't want anyone to know about, but people just keep finding out about it. And Budasak starts roasting him, doing the sperm one, two, three, four. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I say your mama is so fat that she free bases hands. First of all, my mother is not overweight. She weighs 120 pounds, which is perfectly normal for a woman her age. I like that Hank knows his mother's weight. And, yeah. and what's normal? <laughs> I guess maybe he takes her to the doctor. After Hank gets chased out of Snaps another time, um, we see Bobby, and he's back at the Hill House, and he's, uh, he's talking to his mom. Uh, yeah, Bobby meets with Peggy in her office in the in the water heater closet. Yeah. And uh, she he says as he wants to know if like he can just run a minute by her, and uh, she give she puts the egg timer on to one minute because she's not stopping grading. No, but I like that she says, oh, yeah, as much time as you need, Bobby, and then just gives him a minute. It gives him a minute, but it gives him a tight minute to work on his material. So I thought that was kind of funny that uh, – but then he asks her for the – for, like, his family's history, and she tells him some lame-ass story about the butter churner having a mind of its own. And, oh, and Miss Magoo or whatever because she is a drinker. <laughs> The your father's father had a job and a family, and his father before him had a job and a family. Like fuck, that sounds so boring. <laughs> yeah, so Bob, she's telling Bobby like the like the opposite of what he wants to hear. He wants to hear some like crazy shit from his family history. Stuff he wants he some can, tragedy. Yeah, he yeah. cracks yeah. some jokes about it, but uh, Peggy's giving him nothing, nothing, and she's still fiercely grading papers for some reason. And I don't know why it's taking her this long. The whole episode, she's just grading papers, but she's not even reading them. So. Yeah, like, is that supposed to be considered our C-plot? Because I would have loved to see, like, every time that we look at Hank and his truck, the truck's still crunched. Like, I would have liked to see maybe Luann trying to help him buff some of that out, or yeah. at least working on it in the background. Like, maybe he's got to do it through insurance, so he has to take it to a mechanic, but I just don't like seeing Hank's truck busted up. And Peggy's C-plot is just kind of lamish. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of just a running gag more than a plot. True, but I like seeing Luann a lot more than I like seeing Peggy. Yeah, Luann doesn't even have, she just has a, she just helps out with the. She says those two lines with the pamphlet. With the pamphlets, yeah, the driver, the driver's ad. Mm-hmm. But uh, after his meeting with his mother, he goes outside to talk to his two best friends and try out some of his new material. He tells the butter tur- churning joke, right? And which is just terrible. And, and Connie's like, yeah, maybe it's funny for old people. You're so lucky, Connie. You're ethnic. Joseph and I are just nothing. 
We're just white and boring. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, because Bobby's thinking about his parents. And, and Joseph's thinking about his parents. <laughs> yeah. He's letting on, it sounds like, with the tone of his voice, that he likely understands who his father is. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I definitely got that from him, too. Just like, yeah, I'm white. <laughs> it's also, like, that's also from The King of the Ant Hill, where mm-hmm. it's also written by Johnny Hardwick. So, like, the only kind of episodes where they hint towards, like, Joseph understanding who his father actually is are both written by... Johnny Hardwick. I think that's I think that's interesting. I like that because like he's obviously thinking about himself when he's writing these shows. Well, he's thinking about his character. That's what I mean. Yeah, that motivates character. Yeah, I, totally. I, I like that that he's kind of. Well, I know you have seen his YouTube channel, and he might as well just be Dale Gribble, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like or Rusty Shackelford. I love that channel. It's awesome. It's so much fun. Yeah, check it out if you got a chance, people. It yes, is please. bizarre. Johnny Hardwick, if you want to come on the podcast, yeah. we'll have you. Yes. You're an honor- honorary member. Anytime. The tip of the spear will drive down to California and pick you up <laughs> in his van. Uh, so, yeah, after uh, Bobby's new material bombs miserably with Aunt Connie and Joseph, we see Hank, and he's at Snaps, this time meeting with the manager to complain about Mr. Buddha's sack and how offensive he was and how Hank wasn't really learning anything to begin with at, the, uh, at driver's school. Well, I don't think you could in these, like, comedian driver schools. No. What's up, Boom Boom? I told you not to call me that. <laughs> that? Fucking, what is he, he's a manager of Snaps? Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, a... He's a driver school manager. A snaps manager. Okay. Because they host all the other yeah. traffic schools there. But, yeah, I didn't remember catching his name, but apparently it's Glenn Johnson. Glenn Johnson, and he is the manager of Snaps, and uh, Traffic Jam is his only appearance in King of the Hill. Uh, Glenn Johnson is voiced by American actor John Amos, who, after failing to make it in the NFL after being cut by the Denver Broncos and Kansas City Chiefs, began an acting career. Uh, getting his break playing James Evans Sr. for 61 episodes on the TV series Good Times. He, oh, shit. He also appeared on one episode of Sanford and Son and the TV movie Keeping Up with the Joneses. Whoa, two very direct references to King of the Hill. Yeah, for sure. Also, like, uh, especially with the Sanford and Son, like uh, the Dale yeah. tie in there. Yeah, same. Mm-hmm. And in that same, uh, like, time era, Amos would also go on to appear in Roots and the Mary Tyler Moore show. Uh, his Some of his more recent acting credits uh, for John Amos include My Name is Earl, The Ranch, 30 Rock, and Two and a Half Men. First of all, The Ranch is the worst thing to ever happen <laughs> behind a, in front of a camera. I know you feel that way. It's horrible. <laughs> so yeah, Hank, uh, he uh, continues talking with the Snaps manager, and he uh, he apologizes, and he brings, or he... Uh, he says that Buddha Sack's not going to be teaching anymore. He'll still work at Snaps, but he's not going to be teaching any uh, any driver's school. And he he offers Hank to switch him to the Chocoholics driver's school for the last meeting before Hank can uh, get back on with his life and get out of this mayhem. And, of course, Hank would be thrilled um, at that honor. And then we cut directly next to um, Bobby and Joseph in the basement of... Dale's house, correct? Yeah, I guess it... Yeah, it seems they want to use Dale's internet connection. 
to uh, look up just some material on the internet, yeah. just get some ideas. Because Dale's too busy mowing his lawn with yeah. the jerry can still inside That's the lawnmower. That's what it was, yeah. Because he was smoking, riding the lawnmower with a jerry can hanging out of it. Yeah. Anyway. And, and he was like, I think he was distracted too. Like, because it, like, I can't really remember exactly. But yeah, he just. He was like fiddling busy. or something, yeah. Uh. But what I kind of thought at this moment, because he types in the keywords white roots funny. And then it brings up like a white nationalist, like KKK page. <laughs> yeah. That one. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so I, what I thought was going to happen here in this episode, because I'm like, honestly, like I don't remember this episode at all. Like when I first put it on and when I was watching this scene, I kind of thought this episode was almost going to turn into like, the like FBI thinking that like uh, Dale was in on like a Nazi thing and like Bobby was going to get involved. So like the whole neighborhood was going to be like deemed like, I feel like if we got this scene of Bobby and Joseph looking this up in like the intro, like the credits are still yeah, rolling. Right. That would be the episode. Cause theme. like, and I think be, that would work. Good. If the whole, if the whole neighborhood was branded something by like the FBI, <laughs> like Dale was like, just yeah, yeah. The, the wizard the whole, leader, the whatever highlight, it is. the grand wizard. Yeah. So anyway, the deleted scene here, I guess I mentioned earlier was the K they added the K. So, but I guess they just decided to take it out. This is where that joke would have ended. Because I guess this would have this was the punchline they were looking for. Yeah. Was him to say, like, oh, there's three K words in a row. Um, I don't... I think it's best that they cut it just because, like, it does to me, like, how I already said I thought so many places the episode could go. I feel like it is a bit distracting. Like, it is kind of, like... It's a bigger deal than just, like, throw like a throwaway joke, I feel yeah. like, you know? So, yeah. Uh, I think that's probably why they cut it. And like that web page was pretty, pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was hilarious. Like, do you remember like back in the day those like Bush League websites that had those like couple tune like little like jingles on? Yeah, them? or like someone's the little... GeoCities or something. Yeah, or like someone's MySpace page yeah. would have like just oh like very. It'd be like loading, loading, loading. Like ten seconds of the song would play and it would freeze. It's like a little shopping cart. With, Look out, Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I used to make my own website on Pixo.com. Okay. I don't know if you remember that shit. Yeah. We made them on Netscape. And also... I made mine on Nextopia. Uh, <laughs> oh, you're on Next? Sick. You know, your pictures get that her ass watermark at the bottom. <laughs> yeah. It was pretty sick. I think I was Led Zeppelin 666. Yeah, Zepp- mine just had, like, mine. I was, like, Judas Priest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Such punks. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, after uh, Bobby and Joseph get some uh, very alarming research done, Bobby goes outside, and who does he find? He finds the boys, minus Hank, and Bobby is looking nice. He's getting dressed up for his gig. and uh, Yeah, that Oxford shirt. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's like you look like a skinhead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's so funny because like, like, you don't – often see this in the alley where there's like just a bunch of beer cans around them and they're like clearly like wasted or getting wasted and bobby's like, two drink you... minimum man. yeah and bobby's like are you guys busy and dale's like we can spare a minute <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. we could take a break <laughs> <laughs> oh 
oh man, I don't know if it's this, but if we forgot to talk about it, when fucking Bill is like, man, when he's all like, white people walk like this, and then Dale's just like, leave the comedy to the professionals, Bill. Yeah. I fucking love that. Yeah. It's good. And of course, Dale and Bill give uh, Bobby a ride, but Boomhauer refuses to go because of two of the two of the waitresses about, there. This is what I was talking about. Who fucking drove? Because I, I Bill, thought maybe Dale. Bill, because nobody I thought wanted to go. I thought Bill was the only one who wanted to go. That's what I saw too. Like originally it's just Bill, but then when they get there, it, Dale's Dale there. Is there. So I'm assuming that either Bill was I'm too drunk, I'm in the army, I can't you know I don't think he has a car at this point. Yeah, I mean, we haven't seen it, so he uh, he might as well not have one. I mean, one. you say he might, but yeah, mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like it's been skirted around, and I don't think he has. I don't think he's a driver right well, now. Well, maybe Dale just borrowed Nancy's car. I feel like uh, was it is it Lenore? Oh, it's in Mexico. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, is it Lenore? His ex-wife. Yeah. yeah, Lenore. I feel like Lenore took the car. Oh, she took everything. Is it a horse? <laughs> she took everything. So maybe he's just on the hunt. <laughs> but while they're. Uh... While they're taking Bobby to snaps, we see Hank, and uh, he's in his driveway, and Colin's getting a home. I mean, is he wiping chocolate from his mouth? Because he ends up going... Oh, I didn't notice. Oh, maybe that was a deleted scene. Because, uh, sorry, John Amos, he told him earlier that he was in the Chocoholics driver's head. Yeah, got transferred. This is when Colin has the poncho. Yeah, Colin's got, like, the plastic poncho on, and he's all pissed off because Budasak got fired, and now it's a prop comic, and I guess he's smashing watermelons on stage. Gallagher type? (laughs) Yes, yeah, uh, Colin's covered in uh, in watermelon. He's and in Splash Zone for yeah. 16 rounds. Yeah, and of course, Boomhauer's is still standing there, pretty probably pretty pickled by this point. He, he goes on to tell Hank that, well, Bill and Dale took Bobby down to snaps, and Hank does one of his oh-no moments, and he rushes down there. It's funny because Boomhauer doesn't actually tell Hank that they're down at snaps, but Hank just deciphers through his ramblings that they're at snaps. Yeah. Well, um, even before that, so the deleted scene here, this is the final deleted scene. Hank does show up and he's got chocolate around his lips. So like he's been at Chocoholics. Mm-hmm. So he wipes that off and then he, he gets out and he sees Khan taking off the poncho of the watermelon. And when, in their exchange, he says this joke and he's just like, because Khan starts bugging him that he got Budasak fired. And so Hank's just like, well, he brought race into it. And the only colors that belong in driver's ed are red, yellow, and green. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. But yeah, it That's was, good. It was fully animated. So I thought it was funny that all these scenes were fully Made it animated. To the end. But didn't get, it just got cut at the end. Yeah. Well, I, I thought that was pretty funny, but the red, yellow, and green. Totally. And what I thought was kind of interesting about when I was watching this, um, the timing of these shows are so precise. Like, the the show was, I think, like uh, 23 minutes and whatever seconds. And, like, as soon as the theme song ended and the opening credits rolled to the first scene, it was exactly at, like, 22 minutes left in this episode. So it's like they really have they got to break it down to the second what they can keep in. Oh, I feel like I feel like we're at a point right now in the show where we're like they're on a roll. Like they know what the show is, totally. they know what they want the show to be, and it's just these are these are the best episodes that. Mm-hmm. And they just keep getting better. I feel like they are great. They are building a world that I am enjoying to be a part of. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And a big part of this world is the next character up at the fucking snaps. Is it my main man, Toenail? <laughs> <laughs> no! Me, 
shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Toenail is the best. Yeah. <laughs> He's like spinning around on a bar stool. We've got like seven like multicolored hats on. And he's like, I wish that was a credited voice role. Like, oh, I wish I Is did. it not? No, I couldn't find it. Really? Too bad. Mm-hmm. No, it was a damn shame. And I even, I tried to look up what general haberdashery meant. And it just means kind of just like goofing around, like tomfoolery sort of thing. <laughs> so like a haberdashery, isn't that like a hat making place? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like him with all the hats would be the joke on like him messing around at like a hat. Because it's, like it's, like it's like a sewing thing, I guess. He's got like he's got so many hats for sale. Yeah. <laughs> and toenail is the best, and it's it's gonna be hard for anyone to uh, to try. Yeah, and Bobby ain't no toenail. toenail. <laughs> but uh, Bobby hops right up there. So Bobby, I guess he gets introduced as the youngest member or performer at this open mic night, and he gets up there to try his tight five. Do we have a clip? Okay. How many people here are lucky enough to be members of the Nordic subgroup of the Aryan race? Can I see some hands? Yeah, that one. uh... Yeah, it's tough being a white man these days. It's tough, I tell you. Folks, I'm so white. During the riots, I went out and bought a television. (laughs) Is this thing on? (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) I'm not touching that. (laughs) Bobby is confused, and it's crickets as snaps. Yeah, he's, he's gonna start. A, he's gonna start a riot. Yeah, everyone, yeah. everyone's just at first. Like, oh yeah, here's some cute little twelve year old kid. He's gonna try his comedy routine, and he just starts spouting off <laughs> this ignorant yeah. white power shit. And I mean, like the first thing I think of if a twelve year old starts saying that shit, I'm like, well, who are his parents? Yeah. And then Hank, and then Dale. Gets a cut out. He's like, oh, man, Bobby's flopping and yeah. just runs out Leaves the door. Bill. Yeah, I love how Dale's fight or flight response just always <laughs> kicks in whenever he feels threatened. Yeah. <laughs> we just did three days of condo. That was another episode where he just was like, I was never here. You know, and like, <laughs> yeah, this is a storyline going back to the order of the straight arrow. When he's just like, I came here in my own conveyance. Yeah. <laughs> I am not, not a member of this group. And that's when they tie him up. Directed so by can't. Clay Hall. Oh. But yeah, no, the, uh, I love that. And then on his way out, he says Bobby's no toenail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and to Hank. And then Hank rushes in there. And now he's standing beside him. And he's just like, this is my boy. And they're like, show that Nazi up. Yeah. And Bill starts booing him. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the second time Bill's like, okay, to just like turn on Hank in a crowd. Yeah, what was that other crowd? The AA meeting? The smoking. The smoking meeting, yeah. yeah. Can I have a new buddy? <laughs> yeah. So then Budasak comes on stage and interrupts the whole show and is kind of trying to be on the audience's side and being like, well, that wasn't very funny. You can't say that kind of stuff here. And everybody's like, yeah, you can. And then Budasak's like, well, you can. And he's trying to be a little bit... Uh, He's patriotic about Yeah, it. and philosophical. And then he kind of realizes that that shit doesn't bite. That shit don't make people laugh. So there's a nice, long, awkward you know, minute of silence. And then he just dumps right back into his routine about Hank's butt. Yeah. And it kills. Everybody forgot about the rest of the show and just want to hear about a white man's small butt. But, I mean, it makes sense because, you know, like, okay, now, we, now, we're having, now we're all having a good time because we're laughing at the thing that all just made us mad. And he's going to laugh along with us. So they're like, okay, we'll totally. like fuck that guy, but at least I'm laughing at him, and he's okay with it. 
And I don't know about you guys, but I kind of like. It's, I wasn't. I wasn't entirely thrilled with the ending. I kind of thought that having him really like have nothing to say at the end because he he does go on about the freedom of speech thing. Um, but then it just doesn't land, so we just go back to the same old jokes, and then it's just like, okay, yeah, like I get it, it's kind of funny. But I was kind of hoping for a little bit more, like a little bit more of a feel-good ending. But it just kind of cuts to Hank Thank and Budasak, and I really I don't know. feel like that because I'm just gonna spoil a little bit, like the end credits with the the speech from them at the end. Yeah, I do sort of feel like those things are put into episodes because there's a few of them now. And I think that they are put into episodes where, like, Fox is sort of not okay with stuff. And, and I they have do to justify sort it. of feel like them talking, like, them make, like, if they spoofed on, like, <coughs> whatever amendment that is. Yeah, the first. Is it? Sure. It's freedom of speech, yeah. They, that one, then if they spoofed on that, then I feel like Fox might be like, whoa. You can't do that. You can't do that. And then, like, I'm sure that they're like, hey, man, it's a joke. So, like, they put that little... Disclaimer in at the end to be like, hey, remember, we're all like we're straight laced around here. It, we're it's kind of funny that you mentioned that because it kind of just shows how like I guess lame is the only word I can think of for that Fox is because there's the episode with nudity and Hank has to have a disclaimer. Yeah, there's an episode now where the there's one. yeah smoking disclaimer. Now there's like some racial tension disclaimer. It's like. Nothing that is out of the ordinary from the boys are going fishing. And I mean, yeah. And I mean, all mine is just like, it's just my assumption. So totally. I don't Well, I mean, like, it makes sense. But I, I, I respect that. Yeah. I'm just, yeah. I didn't look, like, I didn't read that anywhere. But I just assume, just maybe because, I don't know, it feels like they had some tension with this, with mm-hmm. the studio just because the, the bust a nut thing is kind of a note that is like, we know about that. So yeah. I feel like when that kind of stuff happens, there's like a few... Could you imagine having to be that Fox, like, producer that's just like, well, that's kind of, like, not cool. And the dudes are just sitting there like, dude, it's fucking funny. Like, why, <laughs> you know? Well, we talked about that guy. Remember they, they spoofed him with the judge in the jumping oh, back, yeah. jumping jack, jumping crack bass Remind episode? Me. Oh, just the, the judge's name was the name of the guy who was the head of Fox at the time for, like, uh, oh, yeah, screening yeah, yeah, yeah. episodes so, and stuff okay. like that. But I didn't see that so much as, like, a big picture thing um, with Budasek, but I liked like how his character developed and that he truly was like kind of like a fledging comedian where like he made he he made it enough to get on TV yeah. doing his yo mama jokes and his white people jokes, but he never really went past that. And that's why he's, you know, he's struggling and he's working. I at see this, a lot of this uh, restaurant or this venue. I see a lot of shucky ducky quack quack. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, like, he clearly still can't read an audience if he thinks he can go out in front of there, which was like a very heavily like African crowd. And just be like, no, this boy could say whatever he wants. And they're just like, what? Well, you know what? He did it win them over in the end. He did, but he went back to just, you know, his cracking yo mama white people. I joke. feel like he staked his point And then he was like, now, jo- now I'm going to use comedy for you to agree with me what I said earlier. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's what I feel like. I don't feel like he did the 180. I feel like he kind of went a 90 and just brought them along with him. Yeah. Quick they're just there to laugh anyway. Yeah, <laughs> it's, right? It's, and it's, it's like, okay, want. well, this guy just harshed my buzz, and now we're just going to laugh along about mm-hmm. that. It's kind of like just like how you deal with hecklers, right? Yeah. And um, what was that? Don't mention Michael Richards. 
I wasn't gonna. There was something I was <laughs> we gonna say. About him. <laughs> there was something I was gonna say, but oh, but Budasak was owning at that traffic def jam, fucking traffic school. Like he was on fire there. They were loving him. Well, he wants to make he wants to make people laugh and think. And I think that's where he really has his calling. Yeah. And it's funny when Bobby mentions it to him earlier, like, he kind of takes it as an insult. But I think really, like, why not shine there, man? Like, you're you're making a difference by making people better at traffic. I don't know if he actually is. But you're also making people laugh, which is what you want to do. So it's like, I don't see why you have to look down on that. You know what? You're right. And I just am thinking now, because Hank, because he does say that earlier, like he wants people to think. And do it. And I think at the end, because clearly Hank gives him a job selling propane. Spoilers. <laughs> are we here at the end? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, about. so Hank's given him the job at propane. So he's clearly seen the worth of comedy. Like, he's seen what, like, he, if Budasak had his statement at the beginning where he's like, hey, I want to make people laugh and think. And then Hank really sees the value in that when he uses, like, you know, hey, this is the First Amendment. He, he can say whatever he wants. But I'm also going to ex- extend my First Amendment right and say that his butt looks f- fucked up. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So he keeps going, and, like, that's his First Amendment. And, like, Hank stands there and supports that and lets people laugh at him, which was a problem for Hank earlier yeah. in the episode. I really like it. I think this is a really good episode. I would like now my final thoughts are fucking love this fucking writing. I think this is great. <laughs> I'm so on board with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. And uh, one of the final scene we see before the credits is uh, we find out that Budasak's real name is Roger. Yes. Because it's on his nameplate or his name tag. Yeah. And Hank calls him Roger, I think, too. I guess let's go back and let's talk about that at Strickland because I like that. I like that mm-hmm. part. Yeah, so they're at Strickland and uh, my favorite part of this little in exchange, I mean, they start riffing on each other, you know, exchanging your mama jokes. But Buddha Sachs said, look at you, Drew Carey. Yeah. <laughs> I had a sense of humor. Yeah, he calls him it. Drew Carey twice. So <laughs> the funniest part is that he says, Drew Carey found a sense of humor. Like, like if you were going to make a, like, he picked a comedian and said, found a sense of humor. He didn't say like, oh, Bill Clinton found a sense of humor. It was like... Well, he did it because of the way he looks, right? Like, obviously. like White? Glasses. White, glasses, same I mean, haircut. At this time, I think Drew Carey was, like, more like Bill. Yeah. What was, was Drew Carey ever really that funny? Oh, I meant overweight. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, he was the judge on Whose Line Is It? And he was the host of... I think Price Drew is Carey, right, who's supposed to be funny. I don't, like, love Drew Carey, but I do think he is, he has, he's made me yeah, laugh before. I liked him on Whose Line Is Anyway, but I mean, like, probably in Budasak's mind, he's not He's funny. lame. I yeah. mean, he's a pretty lame comedian, and his show is pretty lame. But, like, he's made me laugh before, and, like, I watched his show far too much to, you know, yeah, really rocks. say I hated it. <laughs> I mean, like, I would say that, like, he's a smart guy. I don't know if that's just because he's wearing glasses, but I think he's a smart guy. Jeff Davis from Harvard Town was telling a story how he's friends with Drew Carey because he's on Whose Line. And I guess when Drew Carey got the job for The Price is Right, uh, Jeff Davis said that he was like, well, is are you going to take the job? And Drew Carey was like, well, if they pay me enough. And Jeff was like, no, Drew, it's if The Price is Right. <laughs> like what the fuck <laughs> you blew it yeah. I can't remember the name of the guy but you remember the tall guy from the from whose yeah, line is it anyway? uh, Ryan Stiles I think it might be Ryan Stiles isn't it Ryan Stiles 
don't know. I met him on the ferry one time. He was awesome. Nice. <laughs> well, you the fucking guy who met him. Yeah, but I was just. What'd like, you call him? I don't know, buddy or guy, oh, bub, man. sir. Hey, buddy, I ain't oh, your guy. It was sir. <laughs> Damn it. He was playing poker on the top deck. Nice. Hey, there's a silence. There's no gambling. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> this last little bit here where we get Hank and Roger doing their yo mama jokes back and forth, and Hank has terrible delivery, and Roger's just crushing him. Uh, he makes a joke about propane smelling bad. Uh, I'll let you listen to it. But there's a there's a clip in here that uh, Wearing Patch and I were talking about earlier uh, that I want you to listen to. Wearing Patch? You, you are. Oh, yes, I forgot. It's been so long since your mama's last bath that her hairy armpits smell like propane gas. Now, excuse me. Hold on there, fella. A joke's a joke, but now you've gone too far. Propane has no natural odor. What you smell is actually put there by man for safety purposes. That is a sweet little ditty. Isn't it? It's a good riff. Yeah. It, like, honestly made me want to pick up the acoustic guitar. Yeah. I just moved. Like, I'm in the middle of moving. We're getting a new clubhouse. But uh, Spoilers. Yeah, spoilers. spoilers. Sorry. We're getting Sorry. A new Season three, I thought we were going to do this big hype up. And oh, really? This Ooh, program and marketing campaign. And but I moved my guitar, my acoustic guitar. And, like, Allie was like, uh, is, do these cases, like, have guitars in them? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. I've like, never seen you use them. Yeah, I haven't played them in years. But I pulled it out and played a little bit. And then, like, I heard that and I was like, oh, that sounds easy to play. And I want to, like, just. That's a campfire ditty I wanna that I want to learn. Yeah. I'll get it ready for when we go to the cabin miles. It's Denver. always nice to have a couple of songs in the back pocket when some dude's playing Wonderwall at the fire and you just want to <laughs> take it away from him. <laughs> yeah. Here's a very different version of the King of the Hill <laughs> soundtrack. <laughs> Somebody give me a beat. <laughs> yeah, this episode was unique in that it was Hank and Roger Budasak um, talking to the audience as the credits rolled. Hello, I'm Hank Hill. And I'm Roger Sack. Tonight's episode dealt with racial stereotypes, especially the myth that white people do not have butts. As you can see from the man standing next to me, that's simply not true. Thank you, Roger. It's a damn fine butt. Uh, yeah, thank you. That butt is the bomb. Yeah, uh, I think it's time for the X-Files. Now. Go! X-Files not on Netflix anymore. This is bullshit. Damn, I was going to watch it. Maybe it's uncreative. So that brings us to our final thoughts on the episode before we sign off. And I think Wearing Patch wants to... Yeah, so you said you said that Roger Sack comes back in an episode played by Phil Lamar? Yeah, that's right. He comes back and he's no longer Buddha Sack. He's just Roger the Strickland... Oh, but now. he continues to work at Strickland. Continues to work at Strickland, but he's, uh, as far as I can remember, he's no longer doing the. Comedy. That's cool. Okay, Phil Phil Lamar, I like him from Mad TV. Yeah, yeah, that's fun. Yeah, I yeah. love Mad TV. Mm-hmm. I used to. <laughs> so, why don't you tell us your thoughts on the episode? Oh, 
Well, when, when Will Sasso was on Mad TV, I thought it was just the best. Uh, no, uh, this episode, I fucking really liked it. I thought it was great. Um, I thought it was, yeah, like, I think if I'm going to inject my own imagination in there, I think that, yeah, fucking, if Fox did have any kind of issues with this, like, I think that they handled it really nice. Like, I think that they, I think everything they do in this episode is makes sense with their characters. I like them. Uh, I think, I think it's got some interesting, like, characters. Like some interest, it leaves you thinking about some characters in an interesting way, like Joseph, um, like mentioning, you know, like yeah, about his dad, yeah. and I don't know, yeah, like you get to see Bobby fulfill some of his like dream, like doing comedy extremely poorly, and it's definitely a learning curve for him. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's unfortunate that he decided that he's just so misguided. There's nothing funny about the Nordic Aryan race. So misguided. But yeah, um I, I really like this episode. I thought I thought everything was really good. Like they use the characters really well. Like Khan backing into Hank, just like that's I like I like all of it. I thought, yeah, I think this is a really good episode. I'm gonna have to agree with you. I think it was a really good one. Uh, you're right. I think it had a little bit more layers than I initially expected uh, with just the insights to the characters. But you're right. They used a lot of good scenes with all of the characters that made sense. Um, and even just to interject one second, like just the fact that so many characters, well, at least a couple characters in this episode were introduced, like had been used again, like like Roger and mm-hmm. like um, the insurance broker. Miss Aliki Ali. Yeah. Alihi. Kaliki. Melikaliki Maka. Anyway, yes. Um, just like the fact that they, they that just speaks to the use of the characters in this whole script, like how strong they were. And I didn't know Johnny Hardwick wrote this one until kind of we just started talking now. And uh, it's a really, it made me like it more. I don't know if that's just me being biased. Or, like, once I start to understand who's writing it and why they're putting in what they're putting in, uh, makes me like it a lot more. I think, just a, I think he's just a good writer. It's easy to like uh, his episodes. I think, I think so, too. So I'm going to give this one four snaps and six brochures to driving school. <laughs> I have to agree with both of you. And I also just, like, since, like, doing this podcast and this research, it's just, like, just became such a fan of Johnny Hardwick. And I find mm-hmm. it funny, like... I imagine it like Greg Daniels and Mike Judge almost kind of being like, like, like in a parental sense. So like when Johnny Hardwick's like, he's got all these ideas for episodes and they're just like, okay, hold on, hold on, Johnny. We're going to offend a lot of people here. You know, like Fox ain't going to be down with this. And like, he just, you know, has to keep pestering them, you know, to, to get his way. And and I like to Peggy was just such a distant memory in this episode. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, the one thing that I could have liked more of was more Dale, but it would have been hard to fit him into the plot. But I have no complaints. And this episode, usually when we, we record an episode, I don't have any uh, desire to watch it again for, you know, six months, a year. You know, there's got to be a time pass because I've watched it six times in the last week. But this one, it's just like I could go home and put it back on again and just be completely happy. <laughs> this is a good one. Yeah. And I do think, yeah, it's interesting because, like, it feels like it was a challenge for Hardwick to try and write an episode that wasn't Dale centric. Mm-hmm. And I think like he knocked it out of the park with this one. He proved that he's not just, he's not, he doesn't just understand Dale. He understands Arlen like mm-hmm. as a whole. 
and proves it in this episode, I think. Yeah, and just his his background, you know, being a, a struggling stand-up comedian for how many years in Texas, and I'm sure, like, some of these yeah. things were very uh, reminiscent for him. I wonder if he ever worked at a comedy driving club, driving school. I mean, I... Can you imagine? <laughs> yeah. Oh Could you? Oh, my God, it would be hilarious. <laughs> I'm going to show you all the places you can hide your drugs in your car. I feel like next time I'm on vacation into the United States, I just want to take a driving lesson. Like, just to go to like a Vegas show, like a comedy driving lesson. Is that it? That's our episode. Yeah, I think that's our episode. There was nothing in the book. I looked. There's nothing in the book that looked we good looked. for this one. No book. So thank you everybody for tuning in and listening. Uh, we will see you guys next week when we watch Hank's Dirty Laundry. So let's finish this meeting off with a round table. Wima Tanya. Wima Tanya. Want to hear more Order of the Straight Arrow? Join the conversation on Twitter at Utsakothpod or follow us on Instagram at Utsakothpod or look for us on Facebook at Order of the Straight Arrow, a King of the Hill podcast. Catch new episodes every Sunday night. Please share this podcast with your friends and feel free to contact us by email at Utsakothpod at gmail.com. Please, no hate mail. Hey, what you crying for, boy? It's a good show. This is a damn good show. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are our own and in no way reflect the views and opinions of Mike Judge, Greg Daniels, or Fox Studios. The external audio used in this podcast is not owned by the Order of the Straight Arrow or its affiliates and is presented in good faith to its copyright owners. Please don't sue us. Shook it, okay, quack, quack.